The following program is a podcast1.com production. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me that will help you save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. In just a second, I'm going to talk about a way to protect yourself from a common ripoff. Coming up in 20 minutes, we're going to talk about what's known informally as the pink tax. It is so clark rageous that women pay so much more than men for the identical item. And later, I have more info for you on how to reduce the cost of many medical procedures And we're going to talk about ways you can do that that are pretty easy for you to take control of your wallet, and that's a half hour from now. I want to talk about a problem that has come up on our show numerous times over the years, and that is where somebody rifles through your mail and steals something that you never even knew was on its way to you. And then they can cause all kinds of havoc in your life, stealing a credit card statement or who knows what they grab out of your mailbox. Well, the Postal Service has a new technology to deal with this. I tried a very old one at my house. We were having a problem about 10 years ago. Someone was rifling through our mail repeatedly and I was having a number of problems as a result of that, and I bought a locking mailbox. And the problem stopped after I got the locking mailbox. But now the Postal Service has a way for you not to lock your mailbox, but at least to know what would have been taken from your mailbox. It's called informed delivery. It's something they've been testing for a while. And, in fact, one of our staffers on Clark.com has been testing it and has been very, very happy with what informed delivery has done for him. And so what the Postal Service does is, I don't know for how many years they've been doing this, they take an electronic image of every piece of first-class mail sent in the United States. I don't know if it's something to do with Homeland Security. I have no idea why they do it. Nobody said. I'm just guessing Homeland Security. But anyway, they've got the digital image of every piece of mail. And somebody, post Service, thought, we're collecting all this. Why don't we give it to our customers? That's right. They give it away. All you have to do is sign up for an informed delivery. And it's a very easy process to do so the registration when i did it took about oh about two and a half minutes and so you set up an account with the postal service and then you establish informed delivery and informed delivery is being rolled out zip code by zip code it's going to be available uh, probably nationwide in just the next couple of years And so I enrolled in it, and my zip code is eligible, and I am able to see the last seven days 
of mail that was going to be delivered to my house. So if a piece of mail mysteriously vanishes, however it would vanish, I know about it. Let's say, as an example, I was getting a new credit card. And that's something that would be pretty popular with sticky fingers, right? Well, I would be able to see through the electronic images that I was getting uh, an envelope that day that probably was, you can kind of tell what's an envelope for a credit card being shipped to you. And if it doesn't materialize in my mailbox, bam, I know so much quicker that somebody has intercepted it. And who knows how long the Postal Service will make it free. Now, one thing. If you do sign up for informed delivery, I want you to know that there will be a step in the initial registration with the post office where they will ask your permission to allow marketing partners to hit you with junk mail, spam, who knows what. Do not check that box. Because if you check that box and you start getting a whole bunch of junk mail and junk spam of all different kinds, you're going to be so upset with me that I created that in your life. So be aware of that when you register. And this is a neat thing, and maybe they'll leave it free forever. Maybe they'll look at it as a money-making opportunity down the road. We shall see. Anna's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Anna. Hi, Clark. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You have done something that's very smart. You went to shop your auto insurance premiums. Yes. And you found there was no money to be saved at all by shopping around, right? Wrong. Not true. (laughs) Yeah. How much price difference did you see? I can save about $300 a year for the same coverage. Okay. And... It at first pass, that's great. I'll tell you, there may be other companies that would even save you more than that. Because a lot of times when people shop around for auto insurance, the savings can be upper hundreds, even as much as more than $1,000. Wow. That would be great. <laughs> but now that you've been intrigued by saving money, what's got you uh, nervous? Well, I'm nervous because looking online, it seems like um, finding a lower cost policy means I might have to accept lower quality. And I'm not sure um, the company I'm looking at or several of them um, don't have very good scores with their customers. And I'm worried about changing and having insurance that if I file a claim, they won't honor it. And that is a very legitimate worry. And so... I would tell you, if you look at a list, like the J.D. Power list of auto insurers, or you look at the Consumer Reports list of auto insurers, that I would start getting quotes with the companies that rank the highest on those surveys. Okay. And that way, instead of having this feeling like you're left with a difficult decision because yeah, I can save money, but the purpose of auto insurance is if something goes wrong, I need them to be there for me. Going with a company that's cheaper but has a lousy reputation for claims, I wouldn't want to save that money. 
Okay. Now, both so J.D. Power and Consumer company. Reports okay. rank two companies as the best for auto insurance in the country. Okay. And they are one that's only available to a segment of the American people. That's USAA. Ah, okay. Do you have military in your family background that you might be USAA eligible? No. All right. So the other is Amica, and you likely have never heard of them. A-M-I-C-A? Yes. You have heard of Amica. I have heard of Amica, yes. Well, they are considered, Amica Mutual is considered to be extraordinary, and by many measurements may be the best auto insurer in the U.S., although they and USAA really trade that top spot depending on the survey. Okay. So I'd like for you to start with companies that rank among the best. And the J.D. Power survey you can find without being a member of anything. You can see that for free. The Consumer Reports, you have to be a member, and or you can go to the library and see their list of insurers. Or you can buy one-time access to the best uh-huh. auto insurer list. Okay. But you do have... With auto and homeowners insurance, you do have the ability to both save money and maybe even be with a better company than who you're with right now. That sounds fantastic. So I'd love to hear back from you that you both improved the quality and got a better price. I will get to work on that right now. And do you own your own home? I do. So you may find that you're going to do best doing what they call tying, where you get, uh, you put your homeowner's insurance and your auto insurance both in play at the same time. Any of a number of insurers will give you a better overall deal if you switch both lines to them instead of leaving one with another company and moving the auto to whoever you would want to move to. Oh, that would be simpler for me, too. Absolutely. But if you move both, you absolutely want to be with a good provider. And that's why, for people who don't have the military connection, I like for Amica to always be on your list to get quotes. And then based on the J.D. Power and Consumer Reports data, you move down from USAA and Amica to who ranks behind them. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. Hey, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you. You are someone who has a really nice person as a landlord, but uh-huh. that's where it ends, huh? Right. So basically, I've been renting for about, uh, I want to say about eight years now. Uh, like, I, like I said, I do have a great relationship with my landlord. However, um, uh, we do definitely need some repairs done on our uh, on our home. Um, I'm wondering what's the best way I could go about, I guess, getting her to come out. She's actually in another state. She's actually what? She's in another state. Oh. And she doesn't use a property manager? No, she doesn't. All right. So what I recommend, if there are things that are nagging that need repairing... She probably doesn't want to deal with them. And it may even be just the hassle, even more than the cost. Okay. She doesn't want to lose a tenant. So what I would recommend is that you send her pictures of what needs repairing and say, you know, that you know she's 
across, she's not nearby and that it's a hassle for her, that you were willing to oversee the repairs and that you'll even pay for them and just deduct the cost from your rent moving forward. Now, I have sent her pictures before, so how does that, uh, that I guess, affect, affect anything? On well, because I'm saying that you'll go a step further and okay. you'll pay for the repairs and oversee them. Okay. That way she's not laying out the money. You're deducting from your future rent for those repairs. So you're making sure you're there to watch the contractor, make sure he or she does a good job. You're paying for it, but you're only laying out the money in advance that you're getting back with the offset of rent. Okay, thank you. That has worked so well for so many people. Now, not every landlord's going to agree to it, but if she's somewhere else in the country, all she wants from that place is she wants a check. Right. So if you're in a position where she can't handle the things that need to be handled, the risk she faces is that you say, you know, I really like you, but I got to move. And then her rent income coming in goes to zero. And before she can rent to somebody else, she's going to probably have to do the repairs anyway. So then she's got no money coming in, and she's having to lay out money for the repairs. Gotcha. All right. Well, I appreciate the information, sir. And you know what? If she blows you off on doing it where you take the burden off of her, what does that tell you? It's time to go. That is right. There's something known as the pink tax, which is really a terrible thing for women, where women pay significantly more for the same item or similar item to men. And it's something that's worked for marketers forever and ever. And it is the subject of today's Clark Rageous Moment. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous Moment. Study was done by the New York Office of Consumer Affairs that found that women typically pay 7% more than men across 800 different products that were checked out. And I think about something as simple as women's razors. There will be a razor that is identical. The men's version will have maybe a, a dark handle or gray or whatever. And then the woman's will be uh, Easter colors, like bright pink, bright green, bright yellow, whatever. And women are paying substantially more on things like beauty products, personal care products. The average woman's item is 13% more than the average men's item. And drawing attention to this doesn't change what marketeers do because this isn't the first time there's been a survey about the pink tax. It's gone on for years, and marketeers have been successful charging more for something in a feminine color than in a masculine color. So if you can't beat them, join them. Women, the way to beat this is give up the cute pink colors. That's right. Get a Dollsville color like a man uses. Buy the men's version of an item if it's identical. 
and save the money. Even better, why doesn't a woman go out and start a women's personal care product company or any kind of product that has a differentiation between men and women and make it a point to sell the woman's version cheaper than the man's version or even at the same price and beat the marketplace at its own game, create a price advantage. But in the meantime, for you as a consumer, don't allow your wallet to be taken advantage of. Remember, don't pay extra for a cute color because it's better to have that money in your wallet with another cute color, green. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save. It's great that you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about being empowered with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. And with such a focus on health care recently in the United States and with a lot of concern expressed by people where we're headed with health care, from time to time I'm going to talk about ways that today you can affect what you pay for health care. If you didn't hear recently, I talked about strategies to save on prescription drugs. Whether you have a prescription drug benefit or not, I went through strategies for you to reduce the cost of those prescriptions. You can see that in my show notes at Clark.com. Today, I want to talk about another thing, and that is for some medical procedures today, you can comparison shop and save an enormous amount of money. I have health insurance. And there was a circumstance two years two years ago or three years ago where I had to have an MRI. And the MRI, even through my insurance, at the place that I'd been referred to, which was a hospital to have an MRI, my out-of-pocket was over $1,000. So... I had heard that you could now potentially save money going to a freestanding MRI place. So I shopped around, and out of my own pocket, not involving insurance, I paid under $500. It was for something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And then remember, my out-of-pocket under my insurance would have been over 1000 where I was supposed to go. 
And the reality is an MRI is just one example of the kind of procedure that the price difference from one place to another for the same exact imaging can be massive. There's a shopping site called Amino that helps themselves to tell you how much money you can save one place versus another. But they did a survey across the 50 states, and the price differences from one place to another on their chart are absolutely eye-popping. Now, they give examples where the price difference is ginormous from the lowest cost place in a metro area to the, the highest cost. But more often, you'll find that the price difference is four times, that the cheapest place is one-fourth the cost of the most expensive. And again, we're not just talking MRIs here. When you have to have some kind of medical, in many cases, it pays to shop, even with insurance. So Amino is one source. The people who did this survey, and I've, I've talked about before, healthcarebluebook.com is another. And with it, it's designed for both employers trying to lower their costs if an insured needs something, and for you as a consumer. And so you can click on consumer, and you tell them what kind of procedure or service you need divided into eight different pull-down menus. So you can go to a pull-down and see what things they can compare us and shop. And like I'm looking at lab work, and they divide the lab work into, for eight, 24 different areas where you can compare us and shop. It's just an example of a case where you can make a big difference in what you pay. Most often, when a doctor wants us to do a lab, we just, like sheep, go wherever the doctor tells us to go. Don't do that. The doctor's not paying the bill. You are. And that's why it's important for you to know what you're actually going to have to pay, what it's going to cost you for what you're going to do. So, again, let me give those two sites one more time. Healthcarebluebook.com is one, and that's the one you've heard me mention before, maybe. And then the other, Amino, A-M-I-N-O.com. And so Amino, you just put in whatever they have it divided, condition, procedure, specialty. And you put that in, and then it'll show you as best they've been able to determine in their pricing information what your options are for whatever it is that ails you that you need to have treated or tested for. So your money, in so many ways, the key to making health care affordable for us as a country is going to be about making prices clear and available to you and me as a consumer. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Clark. Ryan, you're thinking of buying an investment property. Uh, Yes, my wife and I are looking at possibly buying our first rental. Uh, It's for a 
family member who needs to be in low-income housing uh, but can't seem to find any. Uh, so we're thinking of possibly providing them a house and making an investment property at the same time. Well, that is fantastic because potentially you could do well by doing good at the same time. Right. Love that. Okay, those two things, though, can end up working at cross-purposes. Are you going to essentially, if you need to, subsidize the rent by charging a below-market rent if you need to to make it affordable for the relative, or are you going to charge at-market rent? Uh, It'll be below-market rent, yes. Okay, all right. How can I be of service with this process? Um, Well, we were thinking of... We want to put as much down on the house as possible uh, to make the payments cheaper for us since we'll be uh, paying for them. Um, But we didn't know, should we put the money, take the money right out of our savings since it doesn't really earn much? Well, we do have a HELOC where we could put the money on that and not drain our savings because we do have three months salary in our savings. Okay, I may surprise you with the answer, but with what okay. you've already told me about how you handle money in your own situation, you're very mm-hmm. careful with your money. You're the Probably. rare individual or couple that has saved three months of your pay. So yeah. I'm not worried about you overextending yourself. So I okay. would actually loot your savings that's right. earning at best 1%. Versus borrowing against a HELOC at 4% or so. Yeah. Knowing that if you hit a rough patch, the worst situation you'd face is you'd borrow against the HELOC, which is what you might have done up front, worried about depleting your savings. Okay, I see. So I would just take the money right out of the savings and put it as a down payment on the property. Okay. Now, you're going to need, um, when you buy an investment property, to qualify for the most favorable terms on a loan for the rest, you're uh-huh. going to need 30% down. Oh, okay. What percent down would that three months represent? Uh, pretty much all of it, then, I think. You would need to deplete all of it to come up with 30% down? I believe so, because... It would be worth it to a- do that. Okay. Because for a lender, the risk is so much more favorable when you have that much what they refer to as skin in the game. Sure. And so I would just blow through the savings so that you right off the bat own 30% of the rental. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about renting below market. The IRS doesn't like it when you rent something below market. Okay. But what you are allowed to do fully under the law, you are allowed to give any individual, doesn't even have to be a relative, up to $14,000 each year. Uh So you could um, charge what would be the equivalent of fair market rent, and at the same time each month give your relative a check for how much you're trying to discount the rent as long as over 12 months that would not equate to more than $14,000. Oh, okay. So the rent check should be for at market. Oh, okay. And as long as you do that, you have an arm's length transaction and you're A-OK with the IRS. 
Oh, all right. Okay. Um, what do you know about make, about Section 8 housing and how maybe that might be incorporated? You know, I don't know if you can do a Section 8 to a relative. Oh. Okay. I would check on that because my memory, and my memory may be faulty on this, but that you can't buy a property, rent it to a relative, and have it qualified under Section 8. All right. Okay. And again, I could be wrong on that. Okay. Oh, let's see. Joel is finding stuff. Uh, According to HUD regulations, I was right. A Section 8 tenant may not be related by blood or marriage to the owner of the unit they rent under the Section 8 program. Oh, okay. So my memory was not faulty. (laughs) But again, you you can subsidize the rent as your own Section 8 by giving money to the relative every month and have the same effect of giving them more affordable rent. Lindsay is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So you're going to have a baby. Yes. I am almost five months pregnant. Congratulations to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, my husband and I are going to start looking into saving for college funds now. Wow. So my question is, um, we were looking at the two plans that I guess popped out the most to me was the state 529 plan or um, a certain kind of a Roth savings. So I just was wondering the difference between the two and which might be better for me. So I have a bias. And the bias is that I want you saving for your own retirement before you save for your future child's 529 or college plans. Because the reason is, is that college, there's so many ways to pay for it, but retirement, there's only one way to pay for it, and that's the money you have. Uh So my preference is that until you're maxing out money saved for retirement, that's got to be what you're about instead of saving in a 529 plan. Okay. Now, I know that's not um, very I sentimental have... and that's not very family friendly <laughs> to say that. But from a uh, practical... My husband f- is... My husband has a retirement plan and he's maxing that out. Um, I have two retirement plans and one of mine I am maxing out. The other one is just my regular state uh, retirement plan. So we, we are good. All right. So then let's talk about saving for your new child, okay? Mm-hmm. So yep. with 529 plans, they vary enormously in quality. And okay. by quality, there's only one thing that matters with a 529 plan, and that's the cost. And the cost of the plans all over the place. So what I've done, I don't know if you've seen my cheat sheet, for 529 plans? No. Okay, so at Clark.com, what, I, what I've done is I've gone through every 529 plan in the country, and I've come up with a list of the best plans in America. And you live in the state of Ohio? Yes. Ohio used to not make the cut, but now has a 529 plan that is low enough cost that you can feel absolutely comfortable 
opening the Ohio plan. And you either need to wait till your child is born and then establish an account, or if you want to go ahead and get moving with it, you can open a plan that you own naming yourself as the beneficiary. And then after your baby's born, you can turn around and change the beneficiary designation to your child. Okay. So you can get started either way. But with the Ohio plan that I've got a hyperlink on my guide, there is only a small number of funds on the Ohio plan that I want you in that are low cost. There are other choices in the Ohio plan, but they're very expensive. So just stick to the ones that I've recommended within the Ohio plan. Okay. So you're free, you know, with these plans. You can put in from minimal amounts of money per month to massive amounts of money all at once. That's really neat about the 529 plans is they're so incredibly flexible. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that compares to just using a Roth? Well, the, the Roth, if you're saving as much money as you are, and you know that you're on a good track for retirement, you and your husband are a perfect candidate to do a 529 for your child. Okay. You can, if you wish, you can fund a Roth and use the Roth as a way to pay for college tax-free. But one thing, and I don't know if Ohio does it, a number of states give you a tax credit up front if you deposit money in a 529 plan. And when you get to the Ohio plan from my hyperlink, if you see that there's a state tax benefit for doing it, then that would put the advantage, particularly in your case, towards doing the 529 plan instead of funding college with a Roth. And again, congratulations to you. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where Joel posts a question to me that you posted at Clark.com. What you got, Joel? Clark Luke wanted to say thanks. He says, I just wanted to say thank you. A year ago, I called in and talked with you on the air. At that time, I had serious credit card debt over $50,000 and a credit score of 600. As of today, I have almost no credit card debt and a credit score of 825. Clark, you helped me get a jump start and helped me get on my way. Thank you for helping me and uh, thousands of other people. You're awesome. Well, that's very nice, but he did all the work. Yeah, Luke did all the work. Luke made it happen. He used the force, right? It's pretty awesome. And Martin wrote in, he says, Clark, you were talking the other day about getting a refund for your bicycle where you received the merchandise, but then they credited your money back, Did you? and then you couldn't get them to take the money back. Did you call the credit card company and dispute the refund? They may be more accustomed to moving the money back and forth than the store itself. That never occurred to me. We had so many suggestions from people. Like one, one that was very common was, why was I wasting my time trying to get them to charge me the money that I was supposed to pay? But it was I, I still feel guilty that we got a free bicycle we didn't deserve because they'd never take the money from me after they made the clerical error and gave me my money back for it. You know, if you're looking to buy paper towels or a can of beans, knowing what other people paid for them isn't really that important. It's paper towels, it's beans. But for a big purchase, like a car, that kind of information isn't just helpful, it's essential. Well, with TrueCar, you can do just that. You see, TrueCar lets you see what other people in your area paid for the car that you're looking to buy. 
which will help you determine a fair price. And the best part? You can work directly with a True Car certified dealer to establish a fair price before you even show up on the lot. Yeah, that's right. True Car certified dealers have all the same information you do and are just there to help you get the car you want while offering you a faster, easier buying experience. Who doesn't want that? And knowing what others have paid has helped True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that car, there's only one place to go. Visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. You can get it at TrueCar.com or the super easy to use TrueCar app. Some features not available in all states. I have great news for you. If you are in the car market, wait till you hear what's working on your behalf. That's coming straight ahead on the Clark Howard Show in a half hour. We're going to talk about ways you can pay for things when you're out and about that are getting better and easier and potentially cheaper for you and for whoever you're paying. That's coming up in just 30 minutes. Clark Howard Show is all about you and my goal to help you save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. And when you're looking for advice, you can go to clark.com slash ask. You also can get free off-the-air advice, something we do nine hours a day. You can talk with a member of Team Clark. We're coming up on our 25th anniversary of providing free off-the-air advice. So let's talk cars. Americans have been buying cars, lights out, for years now. And this is after car sales in the aftermath of the banking scandals of last decade, car sales fell to near-depression-era levels. Just people weren't buying them. The only people who bought them were people who had to buy them. And so the car market now is, I know this is amazing to imagine, twice as large approximately today what it was in the aftermath of the banking scandals. And so here we are all these years later and we've had record-setting or near-record-setting car sales, I think it's five years in a row, something like that. And so we've reached a point that the car market is wheezing in order to try to get people in cars. The manufacturers have been lowering lending standards on the loans they make. The number of loans and delinquency has been climbing steadily. And the dealers are having to work harder for each deal right now. The manufacturers have way boosted the amount of incentive money they're putting into the deal, either going to you or more often going to the dealer. That's how you may wonder if you do price shopping online Mathematically, how is it possible that a dealer is selling you a car below the invoice cost, their supposed price? Because right now, the incentive money being thrown dealer ways, dealer's ways on so many models, the incentives are so high that a dealer on many vehicles can make a decent profit selling below their theoretical cost because it's not right now 
their theoretical cost at all. And I've been noticing the crossover vehicle market that had been lightning fast in terms of vehicles disappearing from dealer lots. It seemed the second they got there, well, that's not happening right now. Full-size SUVs still seem to have, on many of the makes and models, extremely strong demand. But as you look through the array of cars, vehicles for sale, as a vehicle becomes more fuel efficient, the cheaper it is to buy and the greater number of days supply of that vehicle is sitting on dealer lots. And the number of vehicles that are sitting there climbing. I was in a shopping center the other day that in an out parcel where a movie theater, there was one of those zillion screen multiplexes that had closed, and it was like a 24 screen or something like that, and they have a massive parking lot there. And that parking lot that you would expect to have not a vehicle in it, because the theaters are gone. I was using as a cut-through to go to a store on the outer edge of where that mall property was, standing, freestanding store. I had to drive through perhaps 1,200 new vehicles that were being parked there. And they were there because the dealer couldn't put them all on their lot. And they were every shape and size of vehicle of that manufacturer's brand. It was a foreign brand. And they were just going on and on and on and on. And so I lost my train of thought and started driving up and down the rows. Who else would do this? There's something wrong with me, right? So I'm driving up and down the rows trying to survey what was in the most oversupply. And it was the midsize sedans, which dovetails perfectly with the stats and car manufacturers like to have a theoretical 55 day supply of vehicles that means if the factory shut down today for a vacation or model changeover or whatever that they wouldn't run out of that model for 55 days with what was in the pipeline on trains on trucks on dealer lots and all that that's ideal for supply and demand to be in the dealer's favor. There are any of a number of models right now that are over a 100-day supply. So this is a long way around of telling you that with so many new vehicles being sold over the last five years, so many people's desire for new wheels sated, the vehicle fleet refreshed in the United States. And dealers, manufacturers running out of people with solid credit scores to lend money to, the opportunity for you, if you want to buy something, is fantastic. The best it's been since maybe 15 years ago. That's a big statement for me to make, right? It's been that long since it was that favorable for you to look at buying a new vehicle. So when you look at buying a new vehicle, it doesn't change the fact 
that you've got to go through the process right. And by that, I mean doing your homework. I've got step-by-step at Clark.com, the right way to go about buying a new car. But I also want to tell you there's an odd trade right now. So remember I said up front that big SUVs are the one thing that remains in strong demand. Well, you may have a used SUV that is not really relevant in your life anymore. Maybe kids have gone off to school or you just don't need all that space anymore. You can potentially sell or trade in your used SUV and that's the one part of the used market that has strength remaining in it. Get good top dollar for it. And if you're willing to switch to one of these models that dealers and manufacturers are begging for you to buy new or even one that's in great oversupply used, it's a great switch for your wallet. You know, I always talk about zigging when everybody else zags. Anything fuel efficient, wow, is that your friend. And speaking of which, Mark is with us. Mark, welcome to the Clark Howard Show. You want to talk about the part of the car market nobody cares about right now. Uh, Yeah, that's right, Clark. I'm looking for a new vehicle. I have about a 50-mile round-trip commute, and I was thinking of going electric, but I don't have a means to charge the car at home, so I need a little range, and I also didn't want to spend a lot of money so I noticed Chevy is putting out a new vehicle called the Bolt, but I haven't seen much about it, and I wondered what your take was. And I also was considering the hybrids as well, and I noticed there's a new hybrid out, my Hyundai, called the Ionic, that seems to be a good challenger to the current leaders. Yeah, the, the Ionic is getting very good reviews from the auto writers they've been very surprised by how much they've liked it they were like you know why are we going to want this and they get in it and they drive it and they end up really enjoying it and the vehicle averages depending on the version of the ionic it averages is it 56 miles per gallon yeah, I think so. It, it's upper 50s, um, close to, I think one is 59. For, 59. Well, yeah, for the, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and this is going to be part of a Hyundai series that will be hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and then electric only. Right. But it's not very well known in the marketplace and the street price of those, it's 20-something thousand, is that right? That's right, low 20s. So that is, to me, a real sweet spot. Now let's talk about the Bolt. Now I'm an electric car guy. I love electric cars. The reviews of the Bolt have been very polarized. The, the joy that people have in it is that it drives extremely well. People have been thrilled with how it drives. Mm-hmm. They've been very unhappy about the fact that the interior was apparently designed 
by an old East German car designer. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen that, but I've not seen one in person, but the reviewers keep trashing that the interior is way too plastic plain, like you were buying a car, a third world country car. Mm. So that's a personal preference. And again, I'm speaking only from what I've read from reviewers, not what I've seen with my own eyes. And I might see it, and you might see it and say, what are they talking about? I think the interior looks fine. The roominess of it is fantastic. The price point of the Bolt for what you get is phenomenal. You know, 240 miles of range on a charge, an equivalent miles per gallon of 112 miles per gallon, which is double what we're talking about with the Hyundai. And the room inside is supposed to be extraordinary, how roomy, particularly the back seat is. So right. you know how I'd make the decision? How? Go drive each of them. Well, uh, I, uh, there aren't that many uh, Ionic around right now where I live, and I think there are a few bolts that are just starting to trickle in. You so, live where, Mark? In Maryland. So if you were to travel up the eastern seaboard to big compliant, what are known as big compliant states, like Massachusetts, New York, that kind of thing, you'd probably find more availability. And I've been reading that people are getting up to $5,000 discounts on the Bolt right now in the eastern half of the country, where on the west coast, a lot of people are paying list or above. Mm. So have you ever heard me talk about True Car? Yes. So if you take True Car's shopping thing and put in different zip codes up and down the eastern seaboard, you will be able to tell how eager dealers are to sell them or care at all for both the Hyundai product and the Chevy product if you price them at different zip codes from Boston on down. Okay. And then when you find them available, go drive them. All right, Clark. Because I wouldn't want you to spend even 22000 on the Hyundai and say, what in the world did I buy this thing for? Because cars are so personal. You may get in it and you might think, this is fantastic. Or you might have completely the opposite reaction. Right. So I'll tell you, your timing is exquisite. Because when I say nobody wants fuel-efficient vehicles right now, I mean, nobody, it seems, wants fuel-efficient vehicles. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hi, Clark. It is so exciting to be talking to you. Well, it's great to have you here. You have a daughter living in Europe, is that right? Yeah, she lives in Munich. Is she loving it? She is. She's been uh, over there traveling for the last five years and just enjoying the heck out of it. That's neat. Well, great. How can I be of service to you for her? Well, she has uh, found a nice German boy and uh, is planning a wedding, and I want to send some money to her and was wondering what some of the best ways to do that to keep the cost down and, the, you know, the least hassles. So there's a real breakout in that area, and there's a service called TransferWise, that is both right. a website and it's an app you can download to an Android or an iPhone. 
And okay. as best I know, they are the cheapest now to send U.S. dollars overseas. In the case of sending money to Europe, is they give you bankers' buying rate on the money. They give you the official rate, and then they charge a 1% fee. Okay. So if you were to send $1,000, you pay, was that 10 bucks? Sounds like it, yeah. She'd actually mentioned that name, so that's good to know that you've uh, sorted through it. Yeah, they are so much better than the banks. Like, on a normal transfer, you end up saving potentially hundreds of dollars in all the ripoff fees that a bank would charge you to send money to Europe that you don't pay if you use a non-bank like TransferWise. Right, okay. Let me give you one other non-bank idea. If you are an investor and you open an account with Charles Schwab, Mm -hmm. you can get her a Schwab ATM card, and it's an ATM card, debit card combination, and she can use it in Europe, no foreign currency fee, and she can go to an ATM and withdraw money as often as she wants, up to what you want her to be able to, at no fee at all. So instead of paying 1%, with a Schwab account, you'd pay zero. Do you have a Schwab account? No, I do not. Well, it's an incentive they offer. I guess it's part of their package of services that attracts people, particularly those that travel overseas. So you might check that out. Hey, everyone. I'm Maggie McGrath, a staff writer at Forbes magazine and your new host for a show called Forbes on Trump. Politicians are all talk. No action. I'll be speaking with the editors and writers who are reporting on the 45th president. We'll hear what they're finding out about his wealth, his business associates, and the ways in which he and his policies are affecting the economy, consumers, and all aspects of the business world. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Along the way, we'll dive into Forbes archives, which contain decades of information that will add context to the current White House administration. So listen to this. Listen to this. That's Forbes on Trump on Podcast One. Subscribe now at iTunes, and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. Clark.com slash ask slash ask. Say that three times. Say you get to ask a question. And if you like deals, you'll love ClarkDeals.com. And we get better and better at giving you what you're looking for every day on Clark Deals. Is I want you to know what's a real bargain versus, well, the pretenders. So we were just talking moments ago about a gentleman whose daughter is getting married in Germany and how to send money efficiently overseas. And sending money in the United States has gotten to be such an easy, easy deal. And at this point is mainly a two-horse race with Venmo and Square Cash. Uh, Square Cash, you learn about it at cash.me or with the app you download to your smartphone and Venmo, V-N-M-O, which is actually owned by PayPal, has proven to be an enormously popular payment platform that I was first introduced to by my oldest daughter years ago. 
And it's how, among her contemporaries, when they go out and do something together, it's how they settle up who owes who money, because Venmo and Square Cash completely free to easily and very quickly send money from one person to another. These are wonderful platforms to move money, and I have very heavily used PayPal's version, which I guess is for people older than millennials. (laughs) I'm dating myself, aging myself. But the ability to move money so easily is an enormous change in how things work and to be able to do so for free. The plodding, slow, incompetent banks have been so far behind on this kind of stuff and they've been trying to catch up with their own apps. Don't even bother. Use these third-party payment platforms. They are vastly superior with ease of use and you know these are free and the banks are going to try to figure out how to lure you in and then charge you for what they offer. Speaking of which, Venmo is now offering it more and more businesses where you can Venmo for what you're buying. What's in it for the businesses is lower fees than they're charged by the Visa MasterCard cartel for accepting credit cards and has the great ease of use of you being able to pay for something right on your smartphone, right at a place. And it's a win-win for everybody but the Visa MasterCard cartel. If you own your own business, you should be looking at ways that you can allow people to pay you electronically that lower your risk and lower your costs. The long-standing lawsuit against the Visa MasterCard cartel was part of a Supreme Court decision yesterday, and the Supreme Court is allowing that suit to go on long enough that I think it started about when my son was born, and he'll probably be ready to retire by the time that suit is up. The real problem is that we have this cartel in the United States. And do you know how you think about cartels that hurt people? OPEC hurt America and hurt people in America so much. And how did we defeat OPEC? With new technology, hydraulic fracking, that allowed the United States to become perhaps the world's largest source of energy on Earth. And now OPEC has become a 98-pound weakling. It is my hope that the harm that is visiting us as Americans with the Visa and MasterCard cartel will also be busted by technology and alternative ways to do things like Venmo and Square Cash and PayPal and other platforms not yet invented because the reality is the Visa MasterCard cartel squeezes us and costs us 
so much money as consumers and as businesses with the price fixing they engage in. And the Supreme Court says, yep, the case can keep going, but in the meantime, the banks and Visa and MasterCard continue to bring in these massive amounts of money, but just like the OPEC cartel was broken, someday, knock on wood, the Visa MasterCard cartel will go down in flames too. Craig is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Craig. Greetings, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You have a question about when to leave your money sitting and when to grab hold of it. Well, that's kind of the uh, picture that I'm looking at. Since you and I are both in the approximate same age range of 29 times 2 plus a few. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be 62. I can start counting the days till my 62nd birthday. Mine's in July. So uh, I'm a much older, wiser person then, because I'm a month older than you are. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll re- I'll, then I'll call you Mr. Howard. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> okay. Well, Clark, here's the story. is I'm retired twice, one from the federal and one from state. And being close to 62 retirement age for our able to collect uh, Social Security, eligible to. My question is, since I plan on continuing working part-time, how does Social Security keep track of my or of the money that I make? Do I self-report it? Do they track me? How do they know? Yeah, through your tax return. They know. So so if you're going to continue to earn money, let's look at this a different way. So you said you were a federal worker. Do you have a, a federal pension that will be coming your way? Yes, I have a military pension I'm collecting now. Oh, thank you so much for your service. Which branch were you in? I was with the Coast Guard. Which of late has become the most dangerous duty there is, right? I loved every minute of it. Well, thank you for that. So you, the money you receive in your Coast Guard pension, how much of your living expenses can that cover? Would you say realistically... When you stop working um, full-time? Well, I'm not working at all now since I retired from both the state and Fed and the Coast Guard. And you have enough I'm to just, live on? Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a, a... I gross... Excuse me. I net about 42 a month, and I don't have any credit card payments at this time, and the only payment that I have is on my house or daily expenditures. Okay, so in your case you would actually be best served not taking your Social Security at all till you turn 70. Well, my concern is I'm looking at the longevity of my family. My dad passed at 67. My I, I have the same issue. I have the same issue. Um, I'm just about on borrowed time now. If you go back to grandparents and my father, you know, I, I don't have a long window in front of me. But I have I have talked to people in the medical profession about it, and they say that I'm making a mistake trying to make financial decisions based on the short lifespan that has historically been in place for the men in my family because lifespans have expanded so much. 
You know, I have a brother who's already 70, who's in great health, another brother who's 68, who's in great health, and the odds are they're going to live much longer. And hopefully I will and you will too. So for that reason, because you can afford to live on what you're getting now, it's to your advantage to push it back. And if it turns out I'm wrong, you can be screaming at me from heaven. But I'm going to be throwing rocks at you. Throw rocks? Well, they're not going to let you stay in heaven <laughs> if you start throwing rocks. So I wouldn't do that. Be soft rocks. Okay, that's fine. Throw, throw Nerf rocks or something. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so they would track it through my returns, my my uh, income tax. Through your um, yeah, and through the W um, twos you get. So, mm-hmm. earned income is how it's tracked, and so you can, if you wish to go ahead and take it and earn only up to the amount that starts to wear away at a benefit. Be my guest, but I guarantee you, if you're living okay now on the money you have coming in and you work part-time just so you're not bored or whatever, please delay taking the Social Security. You eliminate the complexity, and what the advantage is is that the Social Security benefit embedded that you receive rises by roughly 8% per year you delay. And then once you start taking it, every year as the COLAs happen, the cost of living adjustment, you get more because you're working off a larger base. But don't take my word on it. Spend $40. Buy MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Pay them for a license, the $40 household license. Run the scenario for yourself, and I think you'll be convinced, in spite of the fact that you lost your dad at such a young age, that you'd be better served taking your chances and waiting. Heather's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Heather. Hi there. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, there's a lot on the to-do list, though, and I'm wondering if I can scratch one thing off. Let's do it. All right. Well, my daughter had a part-time job last year. She's only 15, and she didn't earn $600. She was just under the $600 limit. We had previously opened a Roth IRA, and I did the parent match, and so she was able to contribute to that. But because she's under $600, I think that means she doesn't have to file a tax return. So Well, you should if you're going to do a Roth. She can do a return. She can do one for free, and it'll take like two minutes. And so she should file because she has the Roth? Yeah. And the Roth is so advantageous to her that it's worth doing. And she can only do the Roth, even what you match, it cannot exceed what she earned. Right. We opened it a year ago, and so she put in $500 a year ago and then $500 in 2016 uh, because I did the match with her, but she still didn't hit $600. So I'm wondering if there is a requirement for her to file because of the Roth, even though she didn't hit the $600, or is it just a nice thing to do to get back the $25 or so that she put in for So taxes? my understanding is that to be properly eligible for a Roth, you've got to file a return. Okay. And there may be a, uh, someone who does tax or a CPA, uh, you know, an enrolled agent or CPA who does tax who says, I'm out of my mind. But my understanding is that is a requirement 
to do the Roth is that you do file the return. But again, it'll be free to it'll be free to file, and I promise it'll take two seconds. If you go to, um, you know, you can file a small return like that right on your smartphone, if I remember right. And you could also go to irs.gov and click on free file. And there's like nothing to it to do a kid's return. You know, I have. I did. Go ahead. Oh, I did that last year with the IRS free file. Now, is there any reason that I would have to go with the same provider that I picked last year? Or Absolutely not. You can use anybody on the free file list. Okay. And also there's credit karma tax, but I don't know they allow child returns. The credit karma tax is free for any level of income. But in her case, the easiest would be to go irs.gov and do the free file like you did last year. And you're so smart to get her doing the Roth. Diana is with us. Hello, Diana. I'm glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. Thank you. Diana, somebody wanted to flatter you by being you, and it's not fun at all what they did. What they do to you? Uh, Mr. Howard. Please call me Clark. From, I'm, I'm sorry, Clark. I received a letter from the IRS Thursday evening, and anytime I receive a letter from anybody like that, I open it up, and they were saying that they needed to do an identity verification. So they gave a site and a phone number, so I thought I'd go to the site first. And some of the questions they asked are very hard, and it threw me out. So I had no choice Friday morning. Their hours was like from 7 to 7. I was on the phone at 7 o'clock, and they kept me on the phone for two and a half hours, And I finally found out that what somebody had done was had sent a form 1040, and they were to receive a refund. So somebody impersonating you? And my husband. All right. And are you sure you were talking to the actual real IRS? Absolutely. Okay. So this problem with tax ID fraud, tax ID theft, is Mm -hmm. just huge right now. Um, it's happening all over the country, and uh, you don't have a state income tax where you live, but in states that have a state income tax, it's happening with state income tax also where people are filing false returns pretending to be you. Mm-hmm. Were you and your husband expecting any kind of big refund? No, sir. Matter of fact, whenever we was talking to the to the lady, she turned around and she said, how much refund are you expecting to get back? And I'm like, nothing. We owe. That's great in this case. Because if you were due a refund, I don't know if the person told you at the IRS, but you would not get that refund for as long as 14 months. Oh, my goodness. So, well, when, when I told her that, she turned around and she asked me, she said, what is your routing number? Because I told her that we... Uh-oh, uh-oh. They asked for the routing number from your checking account? Just the first three numbers. Okay. She she had uh, asked. Okay. And when I gave her that, she told me. She's like, okay, this is not you. All right. So you're in the midst of the tax ID theft. That is a real hassle. Need to hold on because we need to give you 
some additional specific pieces of advice for you in addition to freezing your credit. Hang on just a second, please. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Here's an interesting fact for you. There are nearly one million new books published in the U.S. alone every year. So if you like to read, how do you choose what you're going to read? Well, that's where Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews comes in. You see, Kirkus has been one of the top book review publications for over 80 years. They do a deep dive on thousands of titles every year, including interviewing best-selling authors and telling you what might be the hot new release before everyone else knows. And it's coming to Podcast One in just a few weeks. So keep your eyes and ears open for Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbour of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways it was always even when I said hello he never seems to speak back to you he was just like kept themselves to themselves and that was about it the British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican I'm Rita Foley <laughs> 